Hi, it's Paul. Hi, it's Damo. And it's time for the PD Sports Podcast. With Damo and Paul. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 26 of the PD Sports Podcast. We are back, very short turnaround from the last episode, but just because the timeline is very short doesn't mean there's not much to talk about. Damien, how are you I am great, mate. What a, well firstly, what a Sunday night of sport. B, what a weekend of sport and there's so much to talk about, so much to unpack. There is multiple sports to talk about as well, so as much as we're very heavily you know, football-based in terms of Premier League-based. There is a lot more than just football as in soccer to talk about. as in AFL, Formula One, heap of Formula One drama, uh, tennis. Uh, yeah, we've got it all. Yeah, it's, it's been, been nuts. Crazy. It's been great. It has been absolutely mental over the last three days. So strap yourselves in, guys, because this is going to be a thriller of an episode. Just before we get started, remember to check out the PD Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and make sure you check out the Discord, which is in the description of this podcast to make sure that you don't miss out on any information regarding the podcast. So, Dame, where do you reckon we should start? I think that we should start... Oh, that, that's, that's close. Uh, I think probably let's go Premier League because that's what we're known for. And then we can filter into the other yeah. sports, I think, as we go along. Yeah, it's a good shout. I reckon there's probably one game to start with and it was the, the focus of yeah, the last podcast. Right we said we didn't... We said we really didn't want this to happen, but if Ronaldo was going to start, he was always going to score, yeah, wasn't 100%. he? And not vintage, but maybe this is the thing. And Ronaldo's shown that he's been able to adapt himself to be a bit of a different player and shown that he's clinical. You know, I felt like that first finish of his was like a true number yeah. nine, you know, just in the right spot at the right time, put it away when his team needed it. But what were your general thoughts of the game and made you know I just feel like hold? that's what you've got to come to expect from Ronaldo, though. He's a good enough player to be that classical poacher and then he can give you something else, the Ronaldo power and flair. For me, it's just how much power and flair does he have left yeah. and how much they can milk out of him at United. But I feel like the poach instincts, you never, you're always going to know when you're elite where you need to be. And, uh, you know, the first yeah. goal was... As much as it's gifted to him on a platter, it's right place, right moment, right time. You don't teach that. You, You're going to you, take it too. You as a striker need to know where you need to be, right? Um, and his second goal is a great finish. You know, it's a good ball into his path. The finish, he picks his spot with power. It's through the keeper's legs. And look, sometimes it's the best place to put it. You know, as a keeper, you make yourself big. And that's probably the one spot you can't really cover is when you make yourself big is to get your legs back. So... Um, yeah. You know, I just feel like it's not what anyone wanted, If unless you're a United supporter, of course, was to see Ronaldo start and score a couple. Definitely not what I wanted in fantasy because I stayed away from him. Um, and, yeah, look, uh, I just feel like that it's only a good thing for Man United. And the better thing think, for Man United is the fact that Bruno looked good in the game and he scores a goal of, yeah. you know, a goal of the season. What a like, that thing has hit like an absolute rocket, like, and it, it was well, moving too. It just curved its, its way into the corner. It's huge for them. That's huge. The fact that was literally perfect. The only thing they needed was a clean sheet, right? Um, it, it, you know, Ronaldo's back, scores a couple. Bruno shows that, hang on, Ronaldo's here, but still means I can still do my business. The fact even Lingard scores is like, there you go, sums it yeah. up. It's the perfect day, apart from them obviously conceding. And Pogba was still got, decent He gets credit for well. the assist because I think Matthew lets it run through his legs, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. He yeah, so uh, literally perfect for... Uh, 
Manchester United, which is a bit annoying. The Globetrotters. But uh, at the same stage, I think it's great for the Premier League as in the brand and in general as a neutral anyway. Because you just yeah. get to see uh, what is, you know, the old school classic dogfight. A yeah. strong Get the United. old school classic dogfight yeah. of like the early 2000s. And it looks like that. Or early to middle 2000s of like United and Chelsea fighting and... Just having a just having a competitive top four, like regardless of who the oh, top four are, it's just nice to have four teams that are capable of of going. And really, that's me not even considering Spurs, who up until this week, who we'll get yeah. onto in a minute, looked pretty solid as well. So you know, realistically, there's a potential for a top five, you know, race for this title, which. Yeah, the last few seasons have been an anomaly, like with City and Liverpool just running away um, with it. Obviously not last year, but probably the last three years, they're the two teams that have really only looked like winning it. So for me, it's it's nice to just be able to put a game on and know that it's got implications for other things. Like it's not, you know, like a a Spurs-Palace game, a nine o'clock kickoff normally would be a bit of a throwaway. But it was nice to know that you could kind of watch that game with some intent like alright well if Spurs win this then they're still clear and maybe they are the real deal and then obviously the result that happened happened and things yeah, open exactly. up again so uh, that sort of summed up for me how the weekend went to be perfectly honest that, that Spurs game it was a bit all over the place um, Newcastle just did what we thought Newcastle would do and not offer a whole lot and you took a goal from Javi Mankio to uh, get good, him good goal to break game, and so. Javi Mankio went bombing on so Credit to the lad, but um, can't say we ever. No, saw we did not see any of that at all. Um, but you know, it's it's, it's, it's <laughs> classical Newcastle at the minute. And imagine if they had Callum Wilson, maybe they could have offered a bit more. But on the break, did exactly what they needed yeah. to. Like, one all, you thought this could be the moment to be hairy for United, and then Ronaldo turns around and just bees Ronaldo, and and Bruno <laughs> turns around and bees Bruno. I think the big thing for Ronaldo, I think the big thing for Ronaldo was he scored the yeah. first two. If he scored the last two, you'd go, meh, whatever. But the fact that he scored the two that were... But the most of importance, but, yeah. You know, yeah, like that was probably the big thing. Um, but look, I mean, they got West Ham this week and no Antonio is going to make that interesting as well. So I feel like um, it would be interesting to see how he gets used this week in the Champions League um, because I think you'd be prioritising Champions League over um, playing West Ham. So... Oli's obviously got some selection. But that's uh, only a good thing, though. Sancho, first start. Yeah, Sancho's first start as well. And I don't know, just... I said it in the last podcast. I don't know how I feel about Jaden Sancho. I'm, I'm not convinced yet, but it's still early days. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Do you think they're the real deal this year, Paul? Like, do you actually think there's a world where Man United win this type? I mean, if Pogba's going to sit in that defensive mid spot and it's one of Fred Matic and McTominay then I see it as a more likely scenario than you know potentially winning the league uh, I think this one's a lot harder to pick because I don't City for me are still a bit of an unproven entity like they haven't looked uh, the I've same mentioned City that in the notes when we um, get to it, but yeah I agree oh yeah I haven't even seen that um, and then I think like Chelsea are capable of kicking on and Liverpool as long as we stay healthy are capable of kicking on so there's a world where all four of them, I see all four of them winning, but I could definitely say Man United's one of those teams. Yeah, I agree. As much as it pains me to say it, Man United are back and are the real deal this season. Did they win it? I'm not yeah. saying they are, and I'm not saying they're even favourites, because I do have a clear favourite in my mind who it is. 
um, to win the title. But in saying that, I do see where we're United win the title, and that does, as a Liverpool fan, scare me. But as a neutral slash Premier League watcher and a bit of a traditionalist, uh, I feel like it's great. So, yeah. It's only going to be good for the league if we've got four teams that we could see a world oh, look, I think it's the just title, madness. So. This Premier League season shaping up to be one of the best of all time. So I think it's going to be great. It's going to make all those games against each other really interesting to watch too. Like obviously we've had one already or two actually. We had Spurs and City and we've had Liverpool-Chelsea. So I think it, it makes those top of the table games worth watching. Like in the past when we play Spurs or we play United... I haven't been that excited because of how strong we've been or even like when City play, you know, those sides. Like we haven't even spoken about Leicester in that conversation too. Like I don't think they're going to win it. But when they, when they get know, going. Are going to do some damage? Probably could do some damage. We haven't really talked so, about what West Ham have done I so far. This, I know they were pretty poor on the weekend, but we haven't uh, talked about with Vi- not, we haven't talked about Villa ever get going. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but they're going to take points off these sides. You do feel. They're, like, they're not the easiest of games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's what's making this league good. So it's going to be like you're not going to see the hundred points this year. You're not going to see the high nineties. I feel like if a team gets to eighty five points, they'll win it this season. Yeah, that was the number I just had in my head too. I think eighty five to eighty nine points that for a four point win that that will that will win it. I think comfortably. I think there's a real well there's a real world possibility that eighty one points will win a Premier League this season if everything just tops and changes all year, and that's low. Yeah, oh, and that, I can definitely see that as well. Um, I just want to have a quick look how many points Leicester uh, won the league with. So, because I feel like that one there might resemble um, what's going to maybe happen this season. Because I feel like there's going to be so many twists and turns. And just look, you're telling me United are going to play this good, but they're not going to go away to Villa and then not play well and Villa take their chances, right, with the team they've got. And then you feel like Liverpool would be the next, you know, you would be on a run, and then all of a sudden Liverpool get a couple injuries and bang, they lose the next couple. Right, and I feel like that. Is... Do you want to guess how many? Do you want to guess how many points? It would have been seventy, or, I reckon. Seventy. You said the number uh, just before. eighty-one. Really? There you go. Eighty-one. So definitely could be a world where I was going to get. I was going to guess seventy-seven to be fair, but okay, eighty-one. They got four more points than yeah. I on the top of my head. <laughs> seventy-one was Arsenal, so they um they got seventy-one, then Spurs yeah. seventy that year. So that's. Really yeah. low, but anyway. So, I think moving from that, I think the game that I thought was probably the biggest shock was the Palace Spurs. And I watched, I watched most of this game. It was, if not, I yeah. So yeah, because I, so, I don't, I don't know oh, what happened go. after the footy on Saturday. So I know we're not going to talk about too much AFL here because I don't want to bring it up for obvious reasons for Paulie's sake. But um, we went out to watch that, didn't we, Paul? And I feel like when we knew that the yeah. game was drifting, Damo got his phone out very early on. I think I missed only the first minute of the Spurs Palace game. And I watched that in the pub I'm sitting in to watch. Um, I watched that more than the AFL game. And I don't know if you went home and watched it because I left, I left straight away because... After that, I think that everyone wanted to go have a drink. And I was like, nah, this game of football, Palace of Spurs is really good. And uh, I left. We left from Australia. Yeah, and I was like, F2's on, sprint race, F1 sprint race is on. I'm going home. I'm getting four monitors up, right? Um, and literally, I sat in my bedroom, didn't even stream. I sat there, had TV, phone, laptop. And then I went into my desktop room, told mum I was editing the computer, but I had another game on the desktop room. And I would walk out every five minutes just to come have a look, right? And I was just having everything running. But this Palace versus Spurs game was... I'll tell you what, and I was saying it to you in the pub, I was saying, Palace look amazing. And not even 
that the red card yeah. changed the game and then Palace looked good. Palace were dictating Spurs. It was like the real Vieira era has started. It was the first couple of games, especially Chelsea, is very difficult. They haven't really looked like getting going. And then all of a sudden they came out, it was playing yeah. the ball out from the back. They were taking the game on. It did not matter what they were doing. Constant, constant, constant trying to play ball. And it wasn't like they were doing what Norwich do, who coughed over a fair bit. And I credit to Norwich, by the way, because they always try to play, right? Palace just looked good. Like they, they didn't give the ball away. They're a good side They, on they paper. didn't give the ball away at all. They strung every pass. And it looked more likely, especially leading up to halftime, that Palace were going to score. The amount of times they worked the ball out wide and were getting balls into the box, it just had to be a bit better delivery. Getting it in and around Benteke was huge. And then once the red card came on, it was came on. It was like it's only a matter of time to they score. And once they score, they got to score a few. And you know what? Credit credit to Palace because they got the goal, and then they got Edward on. And what a debut! Huh? Second touch, first touch to set yourself up. Second touch, goal. Yeah. Scores a second. Only came on for ten minutes or so. What a debut! Yeah, it was crazy. So I turned it on just as it went one 0 So that was when I started watching properly. And obviously, I had to think like, is this purely red card based but it was more the fact that they just ran they just ran them absolutely rugged they ran Spurs around and even with 10 men you, I, I would have expected to see more from from Tottenham they just got completely you know, like control. To they got completely and, controlled they just it got yeah. boxed it was a pure if this is what Vieira is going to produce it's a pure masterclass and I have the question in there Paul and I didn't mean to cut you off but I honestly think if they can stick with this football build upon it it could be scary to think what they could achieve in five years' time. Yeah, it's just one of those ones where if they can keep the core together and bring, just keep bringing in good signings. Like, for me, I think where they're going to lack is probably through the middle. Like, I think defensively, they've always been a club that's been good enough defensively. Um, Gaeta is a good enough goalkeeper. It's whether, like, Zaha, Edouard... Um, Eze, is Eze is still so. there? I think he is. I didn't see him on the weekend. He must be injured. Um, they've got enough guys going forward. There was a guy that came on um, late in the game too. He had sort of dreadlocks. Um, they said he came from Reading uh, for this season and apparently he's meant to be a good little player as well. So don't be surprised if it's with Palace, we see them scoring goals but shipping goals at the same time just this season. Almost like what... We when did, we first um, were at the Klopp, you know, yeah. The Klopp I feel early. like a bit of different, like, yeah. in terms of philosophy, Vieira to Klopp, obviously. But I do echo that. And it's more the fact that because Palace have been known for such defensive football, their defenders aren't like the ball-playing type of defenders you expect. I'm not saying they're bad on the ball, especially at the elite level. Everyone knows how to pass the ball. But you got, you know, people like Van Dijk, they can hit a 60, 70-metre ball to beat a press to release a winger. You're not telling me that the Palace back four can do that, right? Yeah. So I feel like they'll ship goals trying to play this football, but I also feel like they're going to be better off for it. And I don't see a world where they get dragged into a relegation battle, but you never know in football. But yeah. I feel like the relegation for the teams are starting to come to the fore right now at the minute anyway. So, um, yeah, look, yeah. I feel like that's a big tick for Palace and the Vieira and a big tick to the board to taking a gamble. And look, four weeks in, you've got your first big scalp. Uh, that can only be a good thing and a good thing for the future. Yeah, exactly. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they can produce in the next few weeks and see if they can keep the momentum going because their run at the start of the season wasn't ideal. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what they can produce moving forward. So what game do you want to touch on next or is there anything else Spurs-wise you want to talk about? I feel like the Spurs hype was only there because Spurs 
had such a good start to the year. And if you look at the stats, and one of the things yeah. is the expected goals conceded was quite high for Spurs. They were a bit lucky to probably not concede a couple. A um, couple more. Yeah, so yeah, so for me, I was like, it's gonna happen. It's not like it's not like uh, it's not like when you look at like City, for example. Maybe that's where we jump to next because I'm gonna use City as the example. Um, you know, they have a good all year, but you know what City ceiling is with Spurs. It's kind of unknown to know where their ceiling is with Nuno, and you kind of feel like they've come out at their ceiling. So for me, it's only yeah. downward from here, and that's not a bad thing. For Spurs, it's just that you're not at that elite level where I put you that four sides come in the Prem. Paul mentioned them as the fifth. I feel like they're the team on the outer that kind of needs all the results to go their way for them to ever win the Premier League this season. Where yeah. I look at the other four sides Liverpool, United, City, Chelsea, and they're like, well, either one of those sides could just go in and win it by themselves and just turn on and see you later. That, that's yeah, our time. That and I feel yeah. like Spurs is the only way that they ever win this title is that everyone takes a million points of each other. 70 odd points in the league and they just happen to be there like Leicester were so yeah yeah and I think that's what's going to make this season really exciting is just because we don't know you know what I mean like it's one of those ones where if things go the way we think but how often does it ever happen in football there's always things that happen and La- <laughs> too, too yeah, many so things, many things change. change last thing about Spurs we haven't seen Harry Kane get going yet then that could be a good thing for Spurs or he may never get going this season and that could be a real detriment so that'll be an interesting one to watch over the next few weeks as well yep I agree so do you want I to do. jump over to City? Yeah, I do. Because I want to make the comparison. You know how Spurs have looked amazing, but you know that they're not going to be at this level forever. For me, City has not been talked about at all. They've been dead horrid for City, for City's sake. Arsenal made them look good, but that was because I think more Arsenal than City being amazing, right? I mean, you give City space for 80-odd minutes, City got to pick you apart. They haven't signed a nine, but they're winning games of football. And that's a scary thing for me, is that if City aren't playing well, but are winning games of football not really dropping points... Um, if they get going, yeah. they win the league, right? Because yeah, it's City. So they just keep scoring goals from midfield and Ferran Torres and Jesus. Like they've just got enough guys that can score goals. Like for them, yes, they probably need a number nine. Like because every team needs a number nine. But don't be shocked if they find ways oh, they're to that, score they're goals. That you know good what I mean? That like that's going to happen. Exactly. So don't be. Yeah, don't be shocked if they're still playing the way they play. That's that's how I see it. So I'm not buying into the they're going to struggle because they don't have a number nine because last year they really didn't have a yeah. number nine either and they were trying a few different things. So whether I think they're going to win the league or not is a different story because of how good everyone else around them is going to be. But yeah, don't be shocked if they don't yeah, struggle. For, that's sort of for me, it wouldn't be City losing the league because they didn't have a nine or didn't play the correct football or their football didn't pay off. It would be more City losing the league because someone else took it by the scruff of the neck and won it. Um, I wouldn't say that City yeah. got to gift it to anyone. Um, the, the only thing I will say about City is that they haven't looked a million dollars, right? And against Leicester, they didn't look a million dollars. But that's the hallmark of a championship side. And I've said it so many times, championship... Championships find though. ways to get points. They find ways to win. They find ways to keep clean sheets. And it just proves that City are just as much as Spurs is the unknown entity, City is the known entity in the league. You know what's going to happen. You know what you're going to get. And you know that if it doesn't happen for 60 minutes, it's still going to come for 30 minutes. And there you go. And that's them on a bad day. So yeah. when you... Leicester... 
one of those ones yeah. when you're Leicester and you yeah. come up against City that haven't been great you have to take opportunities at home and they didn't and you know at the end of the day City marshaled out a 1-0 win so that's credit exactly one of those ones where they're a team where Grealish can score a free kick or Phil Foden can just do yeah, something yeah, they're, they're one you of know, those. Like they've got enough quality they've just got so much quality they can go to their bench they can go to Riyad Mahrez it's just it's it's actually like a cheat code. Oh, you know it's ridiculous. I mean? like it's they're quality. They're too, it's, they're too deep. They're just way too deep. So don't be surprised. They're, they're going to be around the mark. They're not going to be that far yeah. away. And again, it just sums up where the season's going. So Leicester, just quickly as well. I think they're still trying to find their balance. Like They've got guys injured. Uh, they've got a lot of new signings. So for me, Leicester, don't be surprised if come Christmas time they're a little bit further back than we sort of think or anticipated they were going to be. But I think they're going to be a team that once Brendan figures out or gets his best 11 available, then they're going to look dangerous. If it's in Nacho and Vardy or if it's uh, Pats and Dakar and Vardy or, you know, where, how does Harvey Barnes fit into that equation? I think he started 4 For the first time this season. Um, on the four four one one. sorry. So it was more four four one one because uh, Madison was listed as yeah. the second striker. So and I think you spoke... Did we speak about that off-air or on-air? I can't remember. Um, about Leicester oh, well, playing 4 2 I think we spoke about it in an early podcast saying that they're not known for it and Brendan's not known for it, but with the signings, it kind of what fits. And it's, for me, yeah. it's where I think Brendan will go. And I'm not saying that Brendan's changed the philosophy here. I just feel like Brendan will probably set up his shape a bit different and just provide a few different cues to the team. Instead of looking to play between the lines or whatever, he might be looking fire the ball into the striker's feet so we can bounce someone in that's facing forward and then go. Right, and if a striker is coming from starting yeah. high into deep, it really morphs into four two three one anyway. Because a striker stays high and a striker comes deep, they're in the ten essentially anyway. I just feel like that's a way for Brendan yeah. to put out a few ideas to the players to say we're lining up four four two with Vardy and Daka, for instance, or Vardy and Nacho, whatever combination you want to give. But yeah, you, one but of one of them's going to drop in. All the cue would be when the ball is you know with uh, Madison's feet in the middle of the park. Back if you're diagonal for him, you're the one dropping in to get it. That might be the cue. That might be what Brendan wants to do. And then from there, you know that your winger's going to tuck in to look to pick the ball up, or you know, the fullback will overlap, and all of a sudden it'll look like 4 2 3 1 and your traditional wingbacks going on, and you know, wingers coming inside or staying wide or whatever yeah. the you know, the phase of play requires, right? So for me, I feel like once Brendan figures it out. And, you know, once Brendan figures out what he's going to do without the ball in terms of pressing, with if he goes 4-4-2, I feel like Leicester comes second half of the year going to be really strong. Yeah, I agree with that too. So, um, again, that's got, they're a team that's got quality, and that's the main part about it, isn't it? So, if they can just figure out how to get it all working, then no problem, though, with Leicester. So, I think we've got an easy one here to talk about. Chelsea Villa... Chelsea just, oh, look, Chelsea I'm games. telling you now, just, they are the clear title favourite. They are. They've got like two full they starting They are 11s, at City levels of depth and with a nine. So for me, and they play yeah. unreal. Thomas Tuchel, eat your heart out. As if you're, if He's you have, a, you, if you're an aspiring coach, watch Chelsea for ninety minutes every week because you can pick up so yeah. much from watching what. Not what Tuchel does on the sideline, but what he's trying to achieve with the football. And you can see clearly what he wants them to do. And I feel like that's the best thing for a co- for a, to know when a coach is good. And liken it to Arsenal, because it's funny. But like when you watch Thomas Tuchel's side play, you know exactly 
You know, you know three, exactly four, what's going on, what phase of play is, what the player instruction is, and off you go. You know that the wing is going to tuck in for the full back, the bomb on, or the wing back, all right? And you know that, okay, in some scenarios, he's actually going to stay wide and he's going to use the wing back to bounce out to switch out the other way. And you know that when the ball's picked up in the middle of the park, you know, you're going to have maybe a darting run inside and one going beyond. And, you know, you know that the end goal is going to be trying to get the ball into Lukaku in the area, right? But you can see it and it's like so complete. And you know exactly what they're doing without the ball. They're setting yeah. up so well. It's so good to watch. And you like it at the Arsenal, who we'll talk about that a bit later as well. Um, and they were a bit better on the weekend. But Arsenal over the last, before the transfer period, you didn't know what they wanted to do. You, you have no clue. I feel yeah. that's when you know that you've got a quality coach, when you can see exactly what you're going to do. The opposite... Well, he's oh, just confident, is. isn't he? He's so confident in his, his, uh, his approach and his That's a philosophy that's been hound he's not and worked on consistently over a whole career, and he yeah. goes, this is what works, and this is the way I play football. And this is why he's won the job, though. That's the thing. Like He was hired because of you know, yeah. what he did at Dortmund, and obviously PSG didn't win the Champions League, but... You know, how many managers have we seen get hired to win the Champions League? Pep still hasn't yeah. done it at Man City, so you can't judge judge on that. League. But for me, it's 100% it's hard to win the Champions League. So, but the way that, like, so Lampard turned them from a 3 4 3 team into a 4 3 3 team, which, fair enough, Lampard had his um, philosophy too, and he stuck to it. Um, but, and then obviously Tuchel's gone back 3 4 3, and it's just interesting to see how players like Marcus Alonso and Jorginho have just sort of reignited under him because obviously the system is another one. That's what we're not seeing from Arsenal though because like Arteta's gone 3 He just hasn't got his shape. And, and you can see he's trying to figure it out as he's in the job. And it's like he can't be getting a job at that level, you know, and then trying to figure on out the his job. shape. Yeah, exactly. On the job. I understand I maybe changing it after a poor run of results and maybe try something different, but not consistently changing on the job. Um, and I think that's where Thomas Tuchel will bring it back to him because this is a Chelsea's little segment. Is that He's so good. He knows exactly what works. He's meticulous. And if he needs a plan B, he'll go a plan B if needs be, right? And he'll change the way they'll play. He won't play this possession-based game. He'll go back to Chelsea, City in the Champions League final. He'll sit off. Sit, sit deeper, deeper, absorb pressure, yeah. and then look for his wingers who are starting high and wide to make movement and stretch out a back four to create space for the nine or the bombing on midfielder. And I'm just like, to have so many yeah. options and to be that tactically good and to have the squad they have, they're the clear number one favourite, not yeah. just for me in terms of the Premier League. There's a world where they go back-to-back European champions. And if you're telling me halfway through last season when Lampard gets out that Chelsea are going to be you know, European champions, favourites to be back-to-back European champions and probably favourites to the Premier League title next season. I would have said, what world are you in? What football manager year are you in, right? But, like, it, yeah. it's mind-boggling how good I think Thomas Tuchel is. And if, for me, he's getting into that upper echelon, he might be the best manager in the world at the minute, you know? He may have surpassed Klopp and I feel like the conversation could be had that Klopp's done it with no money and, like, how good he is and I feel there's a very big conversation to be said about that, right? And then the people talk about Pep yeah. and I strongly believe Pep is probably the best tactician in the world, right? But I feel like to get, to build a squad, put the squad on paper, get it to work and achieve the goal, Thomas Tuchel's fast become the best manager in the world, if not the best at the moment. And he's done it so quickly as well, hasn't he? Like he came in and turned them around in six months. It is beyond beyond a joke. joke. Maybe that's a question for another pod or maybe a question to be had now. You know, that, you know, is he the best in the world? I feel like you can't argue that he's not. 
and there's arguments probably the same. For me, there's only one other, and it's not even with a biased hat that is in that level anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. But Villa, I mean, I think we spoke about it on Saturday. We knew this was going to be a real uphill battle for Villa. No Buendia, no Martinez. It was just t- not it ideal situation in, for them. for it to be like this. Honestly, it probably wasn't the worst game for them to miss them because it was like they probably were going to struggle yeah, to win so that one miss regardless. Yeah, so miss a game you know that they're I mean? going so to be like whatever in, right? Struggling in or against against it anyway. So you probably just take that and, and move on. But I think we'll see. I, I wouldn't mind speaking about Villa maybe in a couple of weeks. Where they are. To see how the fortunes turn. Especially yeah, in Europe as well, so... Oh god, that's going to be interesting. I don't know if their squad's At deep the minute, enough probably to not. No, to cover yeah, that, but exactly. we'll see. Um, yeah. Only thing I want to speak about Chelsea, by the way, is we haven't mentioned Lukaku, and he's gone to Stamford Bridge and scored a double, and it's a long time coming. Um, I just feel like against any of the smaller teams that are not in the top four, he's going to score goals. He's so good at what he does. Yeah, it's the, because the defences can't deal with him. He's quick, he's strong, he's powerful. He can score in the air, he can score on his he's left. Scored his he's scored on his right because he scored on his right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he's just going to be a handful for those smaller teams that just can't stop the supply. It's almost to stop Lukaku, you got to stop the supply. He's never going to go and pick... He's not going to pick the ball up and go on a run by himself. Like he relies I feel on like service, that's why Chelsea's so. such a good fit because he's going to get service. Yeah, and then against the big teams, you might see him struggle because the service Not may rare. be exactly that bit restricted. All right, so we got an yeah. option here. We can either go to Arsenal, considering we mentioned them a few times here, Paul, or we could talk about our boys because they're in the title fight with Chelsea, City, and United. Yeah, let's talk Liverpool. Yeah, uh, well, you have, how much have you watched of this? Because it was only little snippets. Yeah, I haven't had time today it was a to, one to and, cover one in the it, morning but, I mean, and I had work as well and Paul's had work and it's hard to catch up. I've watched enough of the game to know what's going on and I've watched enough of the game to, you know, to be like, yeah, this is what's happened. But this is, I'm going to watch this 90 minutes in entirety in bed after the podcast later. Um, so yeah. it feel hard for me to probably talk in too much depth about it, which is the first time in the pod that a Liverpool game I can't do. And it's only the one o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, Monday morning kickoffs that is the issue. Because when you work, nine yeah. to five job, you know, you, 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 you cop it, right? Um, and I start at 7.30, so it makes it even worse. Um, look, I feel like apart from the opening phase, and I feel like Leeds had a big chance in the fourth minute, Leeds look, started pretty well. Um, yeah. Liverpool dominated and for me that's down to when Fabinho starts in the middle of the park Liverpool that just DM look calm it looks like nothing's gone on you could have 16 year olds at centre back and a 15 year old goalkeeper and I'm telling you Fabinho would be there and you know he wouldn't even bat an eyelid because he's just he's that good at what he does and obviously it's maybe a bit of an exaggeration but when without him, and we saw it last season, or when he played at centre back, you know, we just lose our whole shape. With him, everyone knows exactly where they need yeah. to be. It's like he pulls the strings, and he's not pulling the strings in terms of playing passing. Just everyone's shape revolves around him, and when he's there, the shape is awesome. And when the shape is awesome, Liverpool awesome. Liverpool don't lose games of football. Period. Full stop. End of story. Right. And I just worry when he's not in the team. I really do. And how forty. We just don't have a ready-made replacement for that role, do we? Like, Henderson can go you there, lose but then so you much, lose though. his qualities yeah, box to box. We don't have a second defensive midfielder. I mean, not many teams do. Like, to be perfectly honest, 
not many teams could comfortably say if we yeah, lose if our you main defensive midfielder, we've got someone of equal lose, quality. For me, United don't have one, and then you lose if you lose City, if you lose Rodri, it's Fan and Dino. But um, yeah, he's, he's, he's getting a bit older. Conte's uh, replacement is uh, you like. They're not the same yeah. type of players, though. You know, you're talking Jorginho, yeah, they're, Kovacic. They're, they're all very, very different players. Than what? I'm not saying Jorginho doesn't do the role yeah. very well. I really rate him. They don't really play with this. Well, because of their system, they don't really play with we the sitting do. midfielder because they play with a three. And yeah, we do. And the teams that do, like Spurs, don't really have someone that stands out. Leicester, if they lose, like in Diddy. Yeah. You know, like they don't have someone else there. Like for it's, me, you know, most teams can only yeah, really for carry me, one. It's, when he's not there, I'd get worried. Oh, don't get me wrong, I love when Henderson's there because you do get that part, you know, that range of passing. Fabinho provides that and then the defensive ability as well. And it allows when Henderson... Almost rather just play yeah, Matip there, to be honest. The way that we move with the other two midfielders as well, I feel like Henderson's game's better when he's one of the left or right centre mids anyhow. So, yeah. Yeah, he's don't do what he wants. Do what I feel wants. like the Harvey Elliott injury, which is a shame because yet again, he looked amazing. And I, I can't speak highly no. enough. At 18, he's walked in the middle of the park. We said it in a pod. You didn't think he would play centre mid. I said, Cop loves him there. We, we lack depth, maybe creative. And I said, no, this kid's good. right? And I'm not saying that you didn't say the kid's good. You just thought he would play out wide. I did a Blackburn. I feel really sorry for the lad because I really feel like he's probably been our best creative outlet in the middle three up until yeah, yeah up until the injury. Role. And so yet again, I feel like that's Klopp being vindicated. And that's why I love the Klopp two-shield maybe argument about best man in the world. Look what Klopp does in comparison to spending money. You know, he's better than 18-year-old that was never a centre mid and look what he's done in the first two and a half, three games of the Premier League that he's played. Right? And it's just, yeah. you, there's something in that. And when a manager can produce that and it's not the first time Klopp's done it and Klopp's done a lot of what he's done about money, kind of shows how good a manager is as well. But yeah, for me, I just, I'm so upset that it's Harvey Elliott, it's a long-term ankle injury there's not a definite date, but we know it's a dislocated ankle. They've just said he's going. They've just said he's going into surgery. Yeah, over the next because couple they have days. to correct it. Out it's, now. it's such. It's horrid. It is horrid. It's a horrid injury. It, it looked horrid, yeah. and uh, just I just feel bad. And it, this this is what is a sad thing about it all. It probably wasn't even a really a red card challenge. Like it's just one of those ones where it's just unlucky. It was just so unnecessary. Like the the challenge, like we'll talk. Yeah. Might as well just talk about it now. There's the ball's there to be won, but the angle that he has to go at to win it is so small. Like there was just so much degree of error. Like yeah, you know what I mean. Like it was just it wasn't like he came in from the side or he's come in from behind and his trait. Like it was so yeah, unintentional, was. and that's the thing. Like. The thing is, though, we've spoken about intent when it's come to handball. Like, intent needs to be so subjective. The fact that he's taken him, his trailing leg from yeah. behind... Snapped it. And snapped chopped it. him. Looked it does. so bad. But the intention was to win the ball with his you know, yeah. leading leg, and look, not I'm his trailing. Give Pascal not the benefit of the doubt, because I don't think there's any malice at all, and no one can tell me that there was malice to go in and break or you know, dislocate Harvey's ankle here. Because uh, I feel like the challenge, it was there and it wasn't. And it's one of those ones as a player that you kind of know that, ooh, if you're going to dive in here, this is risky. Uh, I, jo- I don't yeah. think for a second he feels like that's what the outcome was going to be. For a second. And to be fair to him, I think he makes the challenge the best he can. I really feel like there's probably 
they're only other half a millimetre away, you know, he wins the ball with an outstanding challenge. And I get it, game's on the line, the ball's there to be won, and it's the training leg, it's so unfortunate and so accidental. For me, it's weird. For me, it's not a red card challenge, but the fact that the outcome, and it never should be about the outcome if you're going to send a player off, but the fact that the outcome and what's happened, he has to go, right? I think it's more the fact that the contact's happened yeah, from behind because the he's gone straight through the back of him and it's how many times do you see tackle from behind, you know, with with pace yeah, and so red card. So I think it letter the boxes, of the law it? means it's a red. It's so unlucky. It's so unlucky. Yeah. And I feel sorry for the Leeds player. I feel sorry for Pascal because I can't pronounce his last name. S-T-R. Yeah. Yeah, Struik. I think it's yeah, it's, yeah, look, it's one of those ones. The way I liken it to is how many times you see a player take a heavy touch and his next step to win the ball back, he's gone over the ball and crunched someone about shin high, right? Most of the time, yeah. not, that it's accidental. It's like, ooh, but you go and you know it's red straight away. No one ever questions yeah. it. It's high, you've caught him, all your studs are showing. See ya, mate, it's a leg breaker, bye. The reason why... Yeah. I liken it to this, is that it's the same thing. It's from behind you, you've done everything right, you've kept your leg out the way, you're, you know, your leading leg, you've won the ball, you've wrapped it around the ball, you've got the ball cleanly, yeah. But as much as the training leg's accidental, look at the outcome, look what it's done. It's, it's contact, contact, studs, ankle high, from behind. For me, it ticks all the boxes where it's red. I would understand, and look, I would have been super-duper annoyed watching that live if it was yellow, right? I would understand if... On a different day, and we didn't have VAR, it was yellow and it stayed yellow, whatever, right? I feel like in the modern day with VAR, that's always gets overturned if that's yellow anyway. So, yeah, it's one of those ones yeah. that you feel sorry for the player that's been sent off, but you understand. It's like Reece James. You feel sorry for the lad that he's been sent off because he's not tried to handball yeah. it, but it's handball, off you go. It's the same sort of thing. Yeah, yeah but look, let's that. talk about something a little bit more happy, right? Muhammad Salah. I rate him, you rate him, everybody rates him, right? 100th goal in the Premier League pool. Yeah. Where does he rank of all time? There's only five players that have ever done it, right? Where does he rank of all time? And for me, before you say that, he's a winger. He's not a striker. Yeah, that's the key. Like, he's he scored 100 goals playing as that sort of inside forward yeah. type, you know, you know, focal point, but from out wide. The only one I like him to is, is Henri. Another Henri level. Henri plays on the left a lot. He also played for the middle, but he played on the left yeah. a lot. Yeah, I mean, being biased, I mean, he's up there, like, he'd be top. I feel top like, three. and look, I've F3. had this question asked to me in the past, and I'm comparing to Prime Hazard. I'm like, it's not even a comparison. Prime, Prime oh, Hazard, so great, not a problem. Yeah, he might get him like 10 goals a season, whatever. Sutherland scored 100, 100, right? With the highest expected goal ratio, I think, in Premier League history, right? So for me, for me, and this might be a big call. This is not me even being biased. By the numbers, by how quickly he's got 100 goals, and by having the highest expected ratio, he is the best winger in the Premier League ever of all time, including Cristiano Ronaldo's first in at United. And there's nothing United, there's nothing Ronaldo is going to do at 36 to change my mind at that, right? And it's not the fact that United that Ronaldo's played for United. For me, it doesn't come into the fact what Ronaldo's done at Madrid and Juve or whatever. We're talking about Premier League. And I feel that he was better than that. 
There's not even a player that I think comes close in terms of the winger role. I feel like he's the best winger that ever going to be in the Premier League. Just a different era, the, that's why. I feel like it's just a different in, era. A lot of those guys were playing. Yeah, four, I know. Four, that two, makes makes it. You know, like, you've got to say then David Beckham played on the right for Man for many years, so he's a winger. And you go, yeah, different type of winger and great player, yeah. right? I'll rate him highly, David. So yeah, but Bex probably gets a mention, and then you start talking about different eras and how different players played or whatever. Best modern-day winger by a mile. No one comes close, right? Firstly. Second thing, goal-scoring record. This is another big bias call. He's the second best Premier League goal scorer of all time, only behind Alan Shearer, and that's only because of Shearer's weighted numbers. And if Salah catches him, he's the best of all time. Period. I mean, Harry Kane's... Yeah, and Harry Kane's quite the athlete and quite the freak, and I'll rate Harry big time. And that's why I really want to see him go to City, because I feel like if he went to City you would see the best English striker ever to play the game. and Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, oh, you, you, by the numbers, Harry Kane would turn into probably the best striker of all time in the Prem. You could nearly say that because, he, look, City creating 30 shots a game, most of them are Harry Kane. How many is he scoring a game? Well, like, theoretically, probably two a yeah. game. He's going to have two big chances a game. Harry Kane is going to more times than not score a brace. So, yeah, look, I feel like that's a very fun discussion, one that we have a little bit later. But I'm putting it out there now. Salah is the best winger Premier League history ever. He's the best modern day winger ever, right in the Premier League in the Premier League era, and will become one yeah. or and for me is the second best Premier League goal scorer ever, and will go down as one of the best Premier League players of all time. And and the only yeah, reason why it's not that. is because he's Egyptian and he's not English. He has a history of diving in big moments, and I think all the best players do. And if they're English, they get away with it. And if they're not English, it gets talked about a lot more. Um, and because he plays for Liverpool and he's so one-dimensional. But if you're that one-dimensional, why why has he scored 100 goals? So, like yeah, Ryan Robin, like, Robin was unreal. People knew what Robin was going to do and you still yeah. couldn't touch him. Even Robin had hair. When Robin had yeah. hair, you couldn't touch him either. So, yeah. Yeah, it's fair. I, that's one of those ones where I'd like to like look at yeah, yeah maybe maybe during another inter- international break and after AFL's finals is finished and whatever, and the next international break comes around, that's that's maybe one we can do a whole pod of maybe who's who's the best of all time or whatever in the prem. But I feel like that's a fun discussion, and if anyone out there's going to tell me Suller isn't in that conversation, I'll tell them you have rocks in your head. I don't know what you're watching, and like, <laughs> yeah, I've watched. Yeah, fair point. What I'm 26 now. I've probably watched 20 years solid of Premier League football. I've been through the United era. I've been through the Chelsea era. I've even have been through the Arsenal Invincible era. I'm telling you, as much as he plays Liverpool, I'm so glad he does. Without my bias hat on, he's probably he's up there. Yeah, hundred percent. So we'll leave that for a, another time. The last game we're going to talk about from this weekend action: Arsenal. They get the three points, but it was not. It wasn't all smooth sailing. They should have won this game, though. They've created enough targets to win this game. The fact they just didn't finish made it nervy. Um, I feel like this was definitely a step in the right direction, don't you, Paul? Yeah. Like, in the clean sheet and looking at the team team sheet as well, um, so seeing Tomiyasu, White, Gabriel, you know, and Ramsdale all in the defence, I think it was nice to just reward the signings. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't actually get to watch much of this game because it was obviously on goal rush. So this is the game I had in the desktop sort of... out of my four monitors. So I yeah. watched maybe I'd sit down and watch maybe a five minute period, go back, especially the Formula One sprint race. On, I was trying to really like watch that until that finished. Um, but yeah, 
I just think they need Aubameyang, you know, in form because yes, he scored, Cat but the goal. <laughs> doesn't look great. Out of all the chances they create, and Aubameyang yeah, missed a couple of big ones. Like, credit Tim Cruel. I thought he had a really good game. It was Cruel in goals, wasn't it? Norwich. I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure. Now. Yeah. Now second guessing myself. Now I'm not. Pretty I'm not sure second guessing myself hard now because I was like, I was ready to like absolutely hate praise on Tim Cruel. It was Tim Cruel. Good. Um, he was unreal. Like the one on one save he makes first half was quality. The save he makes with legs is so difficult to readjust. He's set and you get ready to make a dive and you realize it's in that awkward zone and he gets a good left foot on it. Um, for me, I thought he was outstanding. And without him, I think Arsenal do score a few more. For me, I think the big thing though for Bumiang is that once he gets going and if this is the service he's going to get, Arsenal will be okay. I'm not going to say, oh, here they come to finish sixth for fifth or fourth. They'll be okay. They might do better than 12th, they might finish 10th. But um, because yeah. I just I don't know. I think for me, the midfield is just such an area that's yep. so finicky. Like Maitland Niles played there. If they can find a combination of party Maitland Niles, Odegaard, the Sampi Conga as a four, maybe okay. um, they they can find something. But I don't know. I just don't feel like they've got someone who can just I take agree. the game um, by the scruff of the neck. For me, what I think was the best part about this is that A, it looked like you knew what Arteta wanted to do, A, but B, defensively, Ramsdale looked confident. Like when he sells, uh, what's his name for a dummy? Can't remember. Or licks him with the ball. Uh, Ida? Ida, Pookie, one of the two. It was P- Pookie. There we are. Uh, I don't know. I didn't start. Yeah, for dead. Brilliant, right? Uh, and it's the the whole four looks solid. I will understand it was Norwich, and they don't create create too much. And they they did have a massive moment. Tenth minute in, they cut a ball across six yard box, and all that needed was someone to be there to tap it in, and no one knew what was going on for Arsenal. They all all eliminated keeper, back four, you name it. Beautiful from Norwich, right? Yeah. Apart from that real moment. It didn't look like Norwich were ever going to score and it only became nervy because it was only 1-0, right? And when, when you're only up by a goal and the game gets late, it always gets nervy, right? Uh, I feel like that's the yeah. biggest positive for Arsenal and that might be just the turning point for Arsenal is the fact they've gone, oh, there's a clean sheet there. That's our back four. That's how it's going to stay. No more Leno in goals. That's the four we're going to go with for the next few games. White's back. Gabriel's in. Thomas Lou looked good. Um, let's go, Right? And, yeah, uh, sometimes you need luck in football too. Last yeah. thing we'll say, credit Norwich, the whole time they looked the play. And, yeah, they probably cough up the goal because they looked the play, but they looked the play. And I can't knock a side that's come up in the Prem a couple of times under the same manager. They've kept the same manager in charge. It's a lot better than what other clubs have done previously. Uh, and Watford, the name one, that just loves to throw a manager under the bus. But... You know what? Yeah, it might be naive. Yeah, they may go down, but he's trying to build something. And I feel like that's refreshing. Yeah, and I like how they stick by him. They know where they sit in the world of football. Like, they're too good of a championship team. They're not good enough in the Premier League. It's, they're sort of stuck in they're that They're just looking zone, for a couple you know, of gems. Like these cheaper signs that come in and go, man, there we go. That's the quality we needed. And then all of a sudden, these you know, games where yeah. they're building up from the back and they got good amounts of possessions in periods of game, they need that quality to just go, that's the pass that picks the lock, thank you very much, or that's the goal in the back of the net. That's all they lack, really, right? And they're just looking for this gem signing because they don't have the money to go spend on big-name players, but if they find that gem in the rough, yeah. right, Norwich would be the side that could make the jump and transition to a Premier League side. It's just it's annoying that they've had so many opportunities and never got it right. 
Yeah, I know. And it's kind of sad. Like, it's just... Because so, you can clearly see that they've got, like, a good base. And a manager and that just actually can't. stick by. You know how many times if I, if I was a manager, I've gone up and down and playing the same football. I would have been like, right, where's the new challenge? Where 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 can I implement my football? Like, Palace, for instance. You know, I would have been all over that job if I was David Feichel because I would have said, this is exactly the blueprint that I want to play and I've been playing at Norwich. Look at what I've achieved. I've won, you know, I keep getting back into the Prem. The only reason I don't stay up is I don't have the quality. You've got quality here. Let me take the job. Yeah. Um, and he, he, he didn't even bat an eyelid, man. He, he's just sat there at Norwich and gone, I will build something. And that's what I like about it. He must he must absolutely love the club, it's a eh? very, like, He must be so ingrained. The they, they seem like they're a very similar cut of man you know that they're, they're very much involved in a project and instead of like getting people in or chopping and changing so you must love the club love what the club stands for yeah. goes, well this is my project let me see it through and where that project ends who knows yeah. you know it might be that it goes down this time they actually turn around and go look it's gone long enough or you know he, he somehow stays up somewhere you know and in the world of possibility us 95 percent of the time i think norwich go down yeah right but if they somehow stay up and somehow yeah. get a, Takes a transfer window together you never know. It would take an absolute miracle, I reckon, for them to to yeah. stay up. But look, again, they're going to be one that they're going to be interesting to watch. At least you know you're going to get a game. They're not going to sit there and just park it and yeah, do exactly. nothing. So, look, other results. West Ham lose Antonio to two yellows, which oh, is huge. Oh, man, it, that it killed, killed everybody. me. That was such a first, dumb red card. That first, killed my fantasy. Oh, I yeah, was so I didn't do that. It's my first week with Antonio in the team. And you've got to two reds, so you can blame me. Same. Um, well, I brought him in and captained him. Yeah, no, minus so, two. Uh, it's not great. Um, I then had and that shout out to Sam. I'm playing him in head to head, and he had captain Antonio in negative two, and I'm behind by a point with two players to play, and all these players have played, so should be okay. Um, Brighton and Wolves win two big six pointers against Brentford and Watford, and just touching on that, I feel like. Yeah, oh yeah, great goal, eight and a half minute, you know, in a six-pointer, because I feel like Brighton will be in the conversation again for relegation. And I, I always yeah. feel like Brighton will stay up, but they'll always be around. Yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll uh, stay I up. I feel like it's a big yeah. goal for Brentford to concede in the context of this season, because I feel like they're a team that could stay up, and they're the, but they're, they're the team that, now, you know, what, 20th, 19th, 18th will go down. They're the team that's probably targeting 17th, right? And they're going, that's the one. Yeah. And I feel like there's a world where they finish 17th, and there's a world where they finish 18th. For me, Watford, it, look, they did what they did on the opening day, but apart from that, I, mean, and I think great. that's what you expect with Watford. And that's the sad thing about Watford. They always look at the squad and you go, oh, but there's so many exciting players, but that never comes to fruition. Like, you have one in every, like, 10, eight yeah. games, 10 games, they're going to be like, oh, my God, here you go, right? But it'll all click, great, but you need the consistency. And that's where I like linking about the Norwich. I'm like, you always know what the game plan is at Norwich. You know what they're trying to build as much as they're probably going to finish 20th or 19th. You can, can you can go you can clap them from trying to play football. I mean, like Watford, they lack an identity at times. And Brentford, you know, it can be very hit and miss. So yeah, I, look, I feel like Brentford have enough about them to stay up, and there might be a team that throughout the uh, seasons really start to drop into this battle. But um, Brentford need yeah, Brent, so Brentford far. need a dog fight. I don't know, and they're so. They're so ingrained in the way they play too. Like I don't think they're going to be able to change. Like they're not going to, like they if they're going to stay up. It's way. going to be because they're going to be stubborn enough to play their and credit, way. And, and that's credit. Tony gets going or Embuemo gets going. That they haven't brought the quality in either. Like I feel like their signings have been a bit meh. But I feel like that that's not a bad way to go about it either because it worked in the championship. You know what works. Let's go. 
But yeah. I, I just... Got to tweak it, though, look, I think. I feel like, without putting a prediction on it, I feel like Brentford, Watford, Norwich, Brighton are all going to be in and around that battle. I feel like Wolves have shown enough to me that they've created enough chances and just been super unlucky not to score that they won't be in that battle. Yeah, they'll stay right? And then you're looking at other teams. I really, really, really think Burnley are in big trouble this year. So so I feel, I'm looking at Brentford. I'm looking like Burnley would be the team that you need to uh, need target. And yeah. Yeah. Plenty to unfold. Um, so we'll... Get into more of that stuff as a. I just feel like the bottom half will be interesting as well this year, which is good. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't just fizzle out like it did last year because it was kind of like the end of the year. No one was playing for anything. Relegation was wrapped up. Title was wrapped up. Yeah, obviously the Liverpool stuff is probably the most exciting because everyone was fighting for Champions League. So hopefully, the end of the season has you know plenty of things to talk about. But let's shift across to the main event of last night. Because what a night of oh, F1 man. racing this, this, this is, this there was. Is, this is unreal. I could not believe what I and watched. Our, our boy, our boy jetted out yep. from lap one and look, looked really good, which is the first time I've the, ever said that yeah, for a long time. Yeah, since his first win since 2018 for Danny Rick. Um, and it was the first time this season he looked like through practice, qualifying and race day, he actually understood what the car was doing and what the car and what he was doing with the car. Now, the reason why is obviously F1 cars are all different to drive. And Danny Rick's always been someone that likes to nurse his car in the corners. Be When I mean easy on the brakes, I don't mean like... Danny Rick loves a late brake down the inside and putting it into a corner. It's how you apply the brake. You know, Danny Rick loves to give a long brake pedal where apparently in this McLaren, it's so touchy that once you touch it, it's on, right? The brake is there. And Danny Rick's been trying to get used to that touchiness of what the issue is, right? Yeah. In the technical term. This Grand Prix is the first one that he's actually looked confident in the car. And for me, the biggest tick in this box is Monza, historically, is the hardest track to be good on your brakes. Because you look at the long straight, and in the turn one, if you're not confident on your brakes, you're later. You lock up, bye-bye. And, uh, and that's what I was kind of expecting coming into Monza, was Danny Rick was going to have a horrid time. Because in the turn one, you're in trouble. You come through the S's, you then got the big sweeping right-hander. Then in the turn four and five, another big thing in the break and then the lesmos are also quite difficult as well then you've got the back straight into what turn like lesmos are six seven and turns eight nine and ten and then you back around towards the sweeping right hand in the main straight again it's historically really hard for drivers to get if they're not confident car get it round good right and get yeah, it wrong easy he made it look effortless and i'm gonna say this now they had enough pace in that mclaren that I think Danny Rick, it would have been really tight with Verstappen if they did a good stop or whatever. I feel like Danny Rick still would have probably won that race if not finished second if uh, if it all played out even killed. The events but it did not unfold. Yeah. I love how the rest unfolded. And look, and the side note, Damo, pre-race, Sam, another shout-out. I told you to get on with me. 13-1, Danny Rick finished starting second, multiple race winner. Easy money sports bet. Thank you very much for coming. Um, but yeah, uh, I love how the rest played out. Verstappen made a mistake in the pits. First time Red Bull made a mistake in years in the pit lane. Um, yeah. And a human error. Usually when Red Bull make a mistake, it's something's gone wrong with like a gun. Or oh, what about Giovinazzi as well? Early on when he had his um, front wing destroyed, do you see how the struggles here? Oh, yeah, that was the anti-stall that clicked him because he was in the pit lane for so long because they were getting the wing yeah. on. The wing didn't go on properly. Anti-stall kicked him to stop the car from stalling. But to get the anti-stall oh. off, it kept putting it into neutral and he couldn't get into gear. 
and that's like really difficult. Okay. So um, yeah, uh, it, it's it's a, that was that was that was crazy to watch seeing a car going anti stall so much. I was just looking at that. So like, that's anti stall. That was the anti stall yeah. kicking in to say, hey, don't stall. We're not going to stall the car so the car shuts off. But at the same stage, to get it out of gear, you need like a certain amount of RPM and clicking the gear like the right time, or else it goes back in anti stall. And he couldn't get it. it. Apparently, it's really difficult to get it out of anti stall once you've been stalling for that long. Um, But yeah, he got it out. But yeah, the big moment, big moment is obviously Max makes a bad stop. Hamilton all of a sudden looks like on the harder tyre, he's going on the medium, he's going to go on to not win the race, but probably finish second or third, or maybe win the race if he gets enough pressure on Danny. he couldn't even come out ahead of Danny with a lightning stop. And Mercedes got that all right. The only thing they stuffed up was their pit stop. And all of a sudden, you get a situation where they both come out together. And uh, look, the, it's just pure, 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 pure drama. And I love watching live sport when there's drama. Like, I was in bed and I was out of bed within seconds when I saw that because I could not believe what I watched. It was, it was like Alain Prost Center of like 88. It was, it was insane. Yeah. It was like... Prost knew exactly what he was doing turning in the centre. And as much as I love Max and I think he's great for Formula 1, I actually hope he wins the title because it'd be something different. This was, and I'm not going to slate him, this was understanding what was going on and knowing that the worst case scenario is we both go out the Grand Prix. That ain't bad. You know, and that's cheeky and that's not right. But at the same stage, it's great for drama. Yeah, and it's not out of the, like... So what was the penalty? Because it's not like he's going to get sanctioned real heavily. Like it's more about his, was it yeah. grid placing? Yeah, so um, he copped after the steward sat down and watched it and whatever. And initially I said racing incident, not going to be a pen. The more times I watched it, and Sam is in total disagreeance, but, um, and that's mainly because he loves Max and I think he doesn't like Hamilton. And I, I, the more I watched it, it was more the fact yeah. that I think, well, Max, you've got to pull out of this. This is your fault here. This is and The more you watch it, the more it looks bad for Max. And when you watch things at slow motion, it always looks worse. And I think it's one of those incidents where it looks worse. But for me, it was yeah. it ticked a few boxes why he got the penalty. Anyway, the penalty is next race up in Russia. He cops a free grid place penalty. So for me, that's massive though, because if Hamilton qualifies second and he qualifies first, all of a sudden Hamilton's on pole, Max is on fourth, race on, right? And Max is going to give away points in the championship yeah. more than likely from there, right? And how close the championship is huge. For me, though, this ticks a few boxes as to why Max deserves the penalty. For me, it's he thinks there's a gap. Yeah, there's a gap. Should Hamilton leave him more room? In the initial phase, yeah, but he does. You know, yeah, he's on the green Astro, but he's allowed to be pushed to that green Astro to be room, to be given room. My issue is, yeah. as soon as he turns into the right hand of the S-Ben, he looks and there's no gap. So he's expecting Hamilton to see it and move right into a left-hand corner to give him room. That's Hamilton's corner. He has to make the corner. He has to turn in. He can't move right. So I think Damon Hill said it in commentary. Um, a few others said it in commentary as well. Um, I think Johnny Herbert said it in commentary. That's where as an F1 driver, you know, shit, I've committed. I've made a mistake. There's no room here. You bail out. You go over the sausage curbs. You, you go over the chicane and then you pull back in and you try again later, Right. He didn't do that. He, he, he basically made up his mind. It was premeditated. I'm making this a gap. I'm going to force a gap. And either you're going to get out of the way or we're going to have an accident. And for me, Max fully understood what that meant. He knew that Hamilton's probably not yielding. Yeah. We're going to go out. This is great for me in the championship because Hamilton's got the strategy right and I haven't. See you later. It's very much like Schumacher, Hill, Cross Center, 
I feel like it's great to have that back in F1. So for me, I feel like the penalty is justified. I think it's also justified the fact Max got out in the car, didn't even check on Hamilton, and Hamilton just copped a tire to the head. So yeah, yeah, it was it was crazy. crazy. It was Absolutely mental. crazy. I, 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 we haven't seen anything like this in F1 since '88 with Prost and '94 with Damon Hill and Schumacher. And you know, yeah, Hamilton and uh, Hamilton, yeah, Hamilton and Alonso in 07, and then I know, yeah, I know seven uh, when they both lost it and Kimi Räikkönen won it. We saw a little bit of this, a little bit of gamesmanship between um, title rivals, and in the end, it cost both of them the title. But we haven't seen something this big drama in years, and I think this is massive. And this will go on for the next few races. They've already touched in Silverstone. They now took each other out here in Monza. I'm telling you now, if if Hamilton was in the lead of the championship, and it was you know into one of the turn one, for instance, in the last Grand Prix of the race. And there's a move to be made, and it wasn't on. Hamilton wouldn't make it. I really like Hamilton would get back in line and go next lap. I feel like Max Verstappen, if there was a move <laughs> to be made, he knows he's ahead of the championship, and he knows that hey, worst case scenario, I take him out the race, so be it. I feel like Max Verstappen would be like Prost or yeah. like Schumacher and just say, hey, there you are, see you later. Or like Senna in 90, 93, where he took out Alan Prost's Ferrari at Suzuka. I feel like Max would be the guy that yeah. say, all right, Hamilton, hope I don't hurt you too bad, but here's the wall. Game over. Yeah, and that's just where F1 has that bit to of every difference, other sport, doesn't it? Like it gets like just... this. You get years, and there's been a lot of years where it's like not boring, but you know what it's going it to dominate. Like just... Hamilton's going to dominate, and credit to Mercedes yeah. for building such a superior car. But when you get multiple F1 cars that are competitive, and now the McLarens are getting on board with this, and yeah, it, it makes it very enjoyable. Yeah, I agree. And it's going to make the run home very, very interesting as well. A few other, you know, talking points over the weekend. Obviously, the, the two games of footy were just oh, absolutely blowouts. So annoying because you look um, forward to prelims so much because it it's usually so tense and tight and you love it. But, uh, yeah, just unfortunate. Yeah. And I'm just disappointed that the um, there's no footy this weekend. Like, it's so weird. Like, from prelim final to... Just a week I don't, off. I don't like, like it. Just it doesn't make any sense. I, I agree. The NFL do this, so the NFL have a week off between the like conference finals and the and the Super Bowl. But I don't know. I don't really. I don't like it at all. So it's going to be one of those weird weeks where there's just no no footy. Um, we wait for the Brownlow next Monday. Oh, we might have to adjust podcast, when we do our yeah, podcast. Because, oh no, the. No, it's not. Sorry. The Brownlow's on Sunday night. It's not on Monday Ooh, night. Oh, that's good. Uh, because there's no game. Okay, there we go. Yeah, so we'll probably do a bit of a Brownlow. Um, any any suggestions who you think is winning it so from, from you? Mine's, I think mine's Ollie. Too. Because I, I don't think anyone from Port really steals yeah, too, many too many points Yeah, too many people taking too many points off of the others, so... Yeah. At the doggies, yeah. And then in Melbourne, you've got sort of Oliver Gorn and, and Petrarca. So I feel like... Ollie just sort of just... Lastly on Max his, Gorn, his best ruckman to ever play in the AFL. Uh, not just yet. Tracking that way. Um, definitely on the way there. There's a few guys that are... Like, for me, my favourite to watch of all time was Dean he Cox because he was just... He was good. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but he's not far behind. And I think... Like, Gorn's been good for three or four years now. Um, I want to see it for longer. I, I hope think. it does. It's good to watch. He, 
Yeah, and he just needs his... Like, for me, it's his ball skills. Like, if he can get his ball skills up a little bit higher um, around the ground, and I think that would just make him complete. And that's why I've got Brody Grundy just a little bit um, higher, just in general. Obviously, you know, to kick five goals in a prelim, that's just unheard of for a Ruckman. But um, I just think that general round-the-ground dominance, Brody Grundy just impacts the game a bit more. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Alrighty. Anything else you oh, want to touch like, base on? I feel like the tennis, the tennis is well. worth a mention because obviously Joker was going for the career slam, which is winning all the uh, holding all the competitions at the same time, all the grand slams. And Member Dev has a history of not doing it on the big stage. He's unreal. Um, hasn't won a grand slam yet. Probably should have had one by now because he's unreal. And finally, put it all together in a grand slam final and knocks the Joker off in straight sets. By the way, and this is one of the greatest probably sports mentality players of all time in all sport. Because how many times have you seen the Joker up against it, look dead and buried, and then he turns around and wins it in five? He does it yeah. a lot. No. So, uh, yeah, Djokovic being denied is something that's good to see in terms of the neutral. Um, and I feel like Memvedev has deserved one. And I feel like the, the fact that the Joker does not get a career glance slam is a little bit eh, because I feel like he's good enough to have one. But at the same stage, when he does eventually get one, which I think his window to get one is open. Um, yeah, but that leads yeah. me to my next one. It's another little Aussie one to touch on. Dylan Alcott becomes the first tennis player in all formats, able, wheelchair, you name it, to win a Golden Slam. And that is winning every Grand Slam in the calendar year and a gold medal. That is yeah, it's massive. going to be huge for a wheelchair tennis because it's going to encourage more maybe children that have gone through adversity or maybe young adults going through adversity to take up a sport b it's going to give hope to people out there that are like that that they can achieve still after whatever's happened to them um however their life journey's taken them to get there but lastly and most importantly not even the greatest able table greatest able tennis players were able to achieve this yeah, and that's the big thing, like to to hold all five at the same time. It gets guys that huge. know your game no, week in week out. He's beating the same guys that work to beat him yeah. week in week out, and they watch and that much it. of him. They study his game and do whatever they is, and he always rises above. And the mentality of it is crazy. So for me, yeah, yeah. and I think for someone that's so much in the public eye as well, I think it's like the best thing for the sport because he does a lot of ads. He does lots of TV stuff. Like he's, he's not, it's not like he's yeah. a nobody, like not celebrity wise, but you know what I mean? Like he's a personality that's well known. He's got a radio show. Like he's, he's just, yeah. And he's a nice he, bloke. It all, it all <laughs> like, suits. I, I, I really think just, there might be a world where he, after the Australian Open he retires and just goes, I've, I've done what I've needed to do now. Essentially, and there's definitely a, a job in the media. I feel for like him, maybe, I feel like too, everyone so wants like, him as well, and I feel like he's the sort of guy that if this yeah. is going to happen to, he's not like the big ego guy either, and he's not like he's yeah. someone that's not going to like say whatever. He's not going to be just not do nothing. Like I feel like when Federer's at the top of his game, you don't hear from Federer much, and I feel like Noel's very egotistic, where Dylan's like the perfect blend. Those are the is it, is it, oh, his nickname's Noel. It's Novak Noel Djokovic. Noel. Never Noel. Noel. N-O-L-E. Noel. I've never heard Noel. anyone call him Noel. Like from Noel's yeah, caravans. He's, he's Noel. Noel. <laughs> right. I don't really like the joke. I don't even like the joke oh anyway. So as far as I'm concerned, he could be called Bob the Builder. So yeah. 
Well, it's I think I'm that questions. Night. I think. Actually, Paul, there we go. Oh, First oh question: God, yeah. favorite kids' TV show of all time? Go. Favorite. Kids when there's a kid, because for me, Bob the Builder was up there. No, I didn't like Bob the Builder. Um, oh, that's a that's a stumper. <laughs> um, I'd have to oh, go, like, what a show! Build. I forgot completely about <laughs> being a great show. For me, I reckon ABC. Being sick, Arthur used to come on at like 10 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon oh, yeah, Arthur. Arthur was Arthur's a good Play school always was on as well. Nah, nah, yeah, Badamas and Badamas there. That's a goat. I'm going Blinky yeah, Bill. That's a good show too. Yeah. All right, anyway, let's get into some actual questions. All right. JS, first couple questions from JS. So will Arsenal survive relegation? Yes. yes. Does Ronaldo scoring in the Prem at 36 while Messi is in League no. 1 mean he's the GOAT? No. <laughs> like, no. Um, Ronaldo, Ronaldo, so Ronaldo at 36 there. going to a Man United side that is not even considered probably the best six teams in the world at the minute. Compared to Messi, he's gone to PSG, who are the best team in the world at the minute, to go win a Champions League. He's been brought in to win a Champions League. Ronaldo's been brought in because it's kind of like the missing piece at United. City, um, wanted, and him. City wanted him and United said, no, that's not happening. <laughs> So uh, I feel like weigh yeah. that up. Uh, Messi going to the best team in the world, yeah. and Ronaldo going to back home to end his career. Uh, I, I know which one I think is yeah. better than the other. Alrighty. So from Dim, the PSG have a chance of keeping Mbappe if they do well in the Champions no. League. Yeah, I feel like if he was well, ever gonna, if it was gonna stay, there would have been inklings that Mbappe would be looking to stay. Why did they not sell him this season? That's I just the feel like question. they want to win the Champions League that badly. They will risk him leaving on a free that to win the Champions League this year. Yeah, I can see that. Just so you can have one year of name. Yeah, I feel like it's so Messi huge. It's like that team's team. so mental. They can handle losing Mbappe on a free afterwards and still be okay. So, yeah, I feel like that's a, that's them going. <laughs> we want either like the two hundred and something million they want, or we're just going to keep him to win the Champions League. Either or doesn't bother us. Yeah, fair call. Where do you think he goes? And the last yeah, couple where do you think from Mbappe you, goes, think... by the way? Do you oh, think he goes, goes to Madrid, Madrid on a free 100%? He goes to Madrid. Yeah, and then he linked up with Kamavinga. Like... Yeah. Who, who scored? Oh, he did. Scored I feel his like first that's the most sensible well. option he goes to. I feel like City will sniff around, and Liverpool aren't known for doing much business, but something tells me that they've always kept their eye on this on this boy Mbappe, and just, I wouldn't rule that one out either for the Liverpool fans out there too. Well, Haaland's going to be available on that 75 mil release yeah. clause oh, as that's well. That's going to be... So both Mbappe that, that, and Haaland that's on the move. That's going to be bet by every team in Europe that's worth their salt, I think, for Haaland. Yeah, pick, well, then yeah, he just gets pick, to pick who he wants. Fair, it's probably a well where Real Madrid turn around and get Mbappe and Haaland, so... Yeah, then well, all of a sudden... The, the Galacticos <laughs> doing what the Galacticos do. Where Barca are now in this hole and going to produce, try and you know, do it for you for whatever. Real Madrid, every time they've been in a hole, just goes, okay, where's the checkbook? Who do I need to buy? And... Mbappe and Harlan being available yeah. in the same window, I wouldn't rule that out. Yeah, 100%. All right, uh, I'm going to start with the, uh, the shorter question first, Paul, because I feel like we just touched on the UCL a bit. Very early UCL and you know, Europa League predictions, is there anything that you think is going to happen that you're going to put your neck out and say now, or are you just going to enjoy it? Um... I mean, Champions League, I feel like it's sort of between Chelsea and PSG. I'm going to go early and say that's your final or semi-final, depending on the draw. Yeah, I agree on that. And then Europa League, I haven't really looked at it. I don't know, like, who are the big teams in the Europa League I feel like you don't speak about Europa League enough until until the knockout stage. But I'm just going to put in there that 
West Ham are either going to tank it off or they're going to look to win this competition and be there or thereabouts. Yeah, I mean, I, I see a world. Yeah, they're either going to put the eggs in this basket um, or not. And if they put the eggs in this basket, their Premier League form will suffer. And if they don't put this eggs in this basket, their Premier League form will be okay and the Europa League will just be whatever yeah. to them. I feel like that's my main point in the Europa League. And I feel like yeah. there's a few teams that are going to do that as well. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't really care. Yeah, I don't particularly, I don't particularly <laughs> whatever. Like, if there's a good game on, I'll flick it on because it's 4.30 in the morning while you get ready for work, right? But, um, yeah, when it comes to the Champions League, you're invested. But the Europa League, you're like, oh, show me when it's the quarterfinal yeah. and there's a couple of big boys floating. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then they're playing their main ah, teams cool. as well. Last question, right? Now, I've seen a few reports yeah. that there's a bit of few crazy local AFL footy finals that have been played over the weekend, right? I'm not obviously as invested in local AFL footy as you are, right? But apparently there's been a few close ones. For me, I want to know what your favorite favorite local final memory is. So that could be footy, soccer, cricket, whatever, right, for yourself. And then I want your sporting final memory, but in the sense of an unreal finish, not the result because like Liverpool won, right, for instance. Yeah. I want, oh my God, that was insane moment. And that could be semi-final, final, whatever, but your big one. All right, so... Amazing, like, yeah, local maybe finals, one you so. played in, or maybe you went to a local DB Five game, and all of a sudden it was like, "Oh God!" Yeah, um, this is an interesting one. Only a few guys will know about this one. This it's not about the like. I mean, the game wasn't close, but it meant a lot. So this is my first ever year playing club footy. Um, so Seton Ramblers went undefeated yep. the whole year. <laughs> And played Flinders Park in the grand final. And Matt Sharonberg, who ended up getting drafted by Collingwood, I think he's still there, for Flinders Park kicked seven goals in the grand final and kept Seaton to like two goals or something. And he just dominated. And then that was like the biggest upset of all time. Like no one got close to Seaton all year. And then he just kicked seven and in the grand final. Finals pressure does that. did it from the right? midfield. Yeah. And it didn't surprise me when I found out he got drafted to Collingwood. So, I mean, that there's like a, a local one. I haven't seen much like um, in the flesh final moments. Like, I haven't been to many either. Like, I've always we've gone to cup finals and whatever for like FFSA. Games never been like All that stuff in Adelaide City have always... We haven't been to one that's yeah. like crazy. And they've never been a... We went to it. Did we go to a shootout? Oh, extra we, time? Did. we did. We did. With we White did. City. We did, didn't we? With White City. Yeah, it was extra they time, lost, wasn't I reckon. It? Late, yeah. And they lost. But I don't think that game was particularly yeah. good. I feel like it was one all, a really dogged game, yeah. It was a one all yeah, going extra like time. Yeah, scrappy and goal, City yeah. won. Yeah. So I, I remember that, but that wasn't amazing. And then sporting final memory. I mean, obviously the Aguero one, I think it's just the to win the league the first time for City, I think. I know it's not a cup final or a final, yeah, that but counts. it's the last I'll, I'll day give of the league that kind that of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that's like... going to be the best one, I think. There's no... Actually, another good one, which wasn't a, not a good one, but the, like, the Stephen Milne bounce in the drawn grand final yeah, in 2010 that, as well. Yeah, like, Because at, at the time, my cousin was at St Kilda as well, so I was invested in that game massively. And obviously, when you're drawing with a minute to go and you see Stephen Milne running into an open goal and the ball just not sitting yeah. there for him... Um, yeah, it's another one of those crazy moments in sport that you're like, 
Yeah, never you, witnessed you're it like, before, kind of thing. This is a bit surreal. This is a bit out there, and like, I feel like F one could, by the yeah. way, could have that moment this season. Um, this crazy end, end as well. Actually. The Premier League title could have this crazy end as well. That's why I've asked the question. Seen a few local results that have been yeah. really, really tight and tense. Um, I've got a few to uh, put in this list. Um, so I feel like I'm going to start my sporting one because this one ranks the best for me out of the lot. And this is not one people would expect, but one people have seen. Look, Leicester, Watford, the day to get into the final for the playoffs. Yeah, and oh, like clear die, clear die by Knockart, penalty given wrongly before VAR. Knockart takes the ball off Harry Kane, I think, to take the penalty for Leicester. Um, misses. Armenia makes a double save only because he can't get up and it kind of just hits him. And then next minute, of all people, after coming out of jail at the start of the year, Troy Deeney's just there and bangs it in. And I'm just like, that's football. Yeah. I'm... Did you listen to the podcast oh, with I him and Ben the Foster this week? all the time, right? <laughs> but that was like a week ago that podcast comes out and I listen to it every time it comes out. I just sit there for an hour, <laughs> right? But for me, right... Even when that first happened, we were in school, I reckon. That would have been 2012, year 11. Yeah, we were in school. We, yeah, Fox yeah, Sports highlights. No one that. could believe it, right? And still to this day, I still can't quite believe every time I watch that back. You know, that video has like, been seen by everyone. Can't believe. Imagine oh, if they yeah, went I up wish that they season did, right? too. I wish they did because I would have capped it all off. But I've never seen a result like that ever, right? Yeah. A. Right for me, that's the greatest sporting final memory to an unreal finish. Then the only thing that gets close: semi-final cricket world cup, nineteen ninety-nine. South Africa should win that game every day, and for whatever reason, they decide to run each other out. The two balls to spare, and it's literally ten pin bowling in Australia win. Australia draw the game, but win the semi-final and then win the world cup. I feel like that gets close as well, right? Because that's unreal. Never, no one expected yeah. Australia to win that semi-final after being quite poor, and then Shane Warne was Shane Warne. But uh, for me, local final memories, I've got a couple. I was involved in one, right? But I feel like if I relate it to soccer, my old man, I reckon, refereed a game against Downs and oh, I'm tempted to say it was Vale in the cup final. And I reckon Downs were down 3-2 with like four minutes to go. They scored three goals in four minutes and won the cup final. Um, this would have been back when I was a real big fucking kid, though. I reckon like 0-1 or whatever. Um, it may have been against another opposition because yeah. it was at Adelaide City's ground, I reckon. Um, this was really long ago. But um, for me, my my favourite local memory, and this is... I'm not saying this because I was involved in it and we won it. It was more the fact that I couldn't believe what I was watching. We played a Creek Grand Final last year against Top of the Table Golden Grove, and they were a great side, right? Great side. And rainy day, didn't think we were going to play. Umpires turned around and said, no, nah, we're playing today. And we're starting on time. Pitch is wet. They had them two for nine. Next minute, they put on a 70-run partnership. They made 138. I copped the stiff one. Was there, and When I got out, we were like three down. And then we put on like 60 runs. And next minute, we're like four for 70, right? Next minute, in an over, we've lost three for none. We're seven for 70, right? And it looks dead and buried. And out comes walking out at number nine is our one of our star batsmen who pulled his hamstring and could not move. And he walks out injured. He proceeds to hit 49 off 20 balls not moving. We win the grand final by a wicket. So for me, yeah, that is not huge. me being involved. It was more the fact I've watched a guy on one leg against probably the best attack in our comp, considering they're in the grand final, just go in and make 49 off 20 odd 
And I'm like, and he, like, off one leg. He couldn't believe what he was doing. It was more the fact that he got out 49 was was annoying. It's typical whatever. But yeah. I feel like in terms of local sporting moments, to have a club legend, you know, turn around and just do that, is like, that's what I feel like local footy weekend's about. You get these moments, you know, you get guys out of retirement playing D grade and they win a flag, right? Or, you know, the big thing about me in that grand final, we had a 57-year-old who's been playing cricket since he was 10, won his first flag at 57, you know? Like, that, yeah, those geez. sort of moments, I feel like, is what sport sporting finals are about. And then you get the Watford finish against Leicester, that's unreal. You get the Aguero moment. Um, and then you can liken it to any sport, you know? How many times have you seen... Yeah, exactly. Motlock showdown. The showdown. Um, oh, geez, like Barra Barisha in the Brisbane Roar when he gets that penalty. That's like whatever. Oh, yeah. And all the drama that kicked off there, and they come back and win. Um, you know, so many moments, aren't there? Uh, you know, uh, you know, we could even go back to all the way to when Jack Nicholas won the Masters in '86. It was like nine shots back, eight shots back. You know, at like at the time was the oldest, now second oldest of Tiger Woods, but he turned around and went like eight under on the back nine. You know, like, yeah. you, you like it back to so many moments in sport, but I feel like the big, it, what all these moments can capture, no matter if it's local or actual sporting moments, is that how good live sporting drama is. It can't be big. Yeah. Exactly. And that's just, when you watch it, it's just that, you know, that essence of aura around those moments and then there's ones you don't forget like when you're especially when you're there like it's makes it even better like you just don't forget it ever like that's you know, me you, when, when you're there you don't you know, because it. It unfortunately just, i haven't been to i was too young yeah. to like fully grasp how you know dad referring in a cup final and that happening at like a young age i would have been like five right i remember the atmosphere and it going mental yeah. but yeah and then like but when you watch it live and you're at the ground, it's just completely different. I want, I yeah, want to be exactly. at one like that where it's just like mental. Yeah, and just bonkers. like we were there. Like as a group of boys, we were there. Adelaide Oval, Phil Hughes just passed away. It was probably yeah, close. That, yeah, day from Nathan line, line. day after Coley's made like 150-odd. That probably comes close in here too, but that wasn't I a just feel like I just feel like with cricket though, it's nah, it never not is. the same. Like... An individual test isn't the same yeah. as a tournament. Like, for me, like, one of the best moments I've had at Adelaide Oval was when Port beat Richmond in 2014. We kicked seven goals to none in the first quarter. And it was just like, what am I watching? Like, away, it was but just, because it's not a final, uh, it's not like the yeah. crescendo. But that was an elimination. Yeah, that was. Well, yeah, that was an elimination that final. But, yeah. But, you know, I'd rather be yeah. there at a prelim and win a prelim yeah, or exactly. be at the grand final. Actually, a big one for me... West Torrens like being at winning grand finals which they're my local SANFL team I've watched them win a few grand finals and one of them was by a couple points against against Central that so that was a bit now. tense um, yeah that was 2011 yeah, we maybe yeah, we that one like, last year they won yeah. comfortably but um, it was just one of those ones where I love going to their finals just because you never know what's going to happen. And although I don't get to support them too heavily during the season, I still have that attachment. You know, yeah, it's good. That connection with the team and their it's, attachment. It's good. And so, like, yeah, look, always I, I love these like, off-centered questions at the end of the pod because it just gives you something a bit different. Yeah. I think that's where we'll leave it for tonight, Dame. So once again, thank you very that's much right. for Anytime your company. That's all right. Anytime, loving the pod. As always, link down below. Get into the Discord. 
fantasy Premier League's heating up. If you have a team, you're doing well, and you want to show us that you're boss, just, you know, click down on the link, join the Discord, join the fantasy Premier League, um, classic league or head-to-head league, and come just show us how good you are. There we go. So for another episode of the PD Sports Podcast, that's where we're going to leave it. Stay tuned. Make sure you turn those notifications on so you don't miss a podcast. Make sure you check in on the one that was released over the weekend as well because I had a very, very good preview into our thoughts for this week's games. They've just happened. Make sure you jump in the Discord to get involved with the community. And we'll see you next week for another episode of the PD Sports Podcast.